So a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. The podiatrist looks at him and says, what seems to be the problem? The moth says, where do I begin? You know, I worked on it, Sendero Luminoso, which, you know, was way different than uh, what, what I was expecting. But I worked for that, that tyrant, you know, Brzezinski Zuela. I, I truly think he gets pleasure out of seeing me suffer and, and fail his undoable tasks. But I gotta say, it's not much better at home. I mean, the old lady, she's, I think she's more disappointed in me than Brzezinski Zuela. In fact, you could make the argument that my life's a living hell. I mean, things were, things were okay. I, I, we, have three wonderful we had three wonderful children, but two of them died last winter. They fell, the cold, you know, it's, it's a problem for us. You probably knew that, but I, I just don't know if I can carry on. I don't know if I can take it anymore, Doc. Podiatrist looks at him and says, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's, that's horrible, but you know, I think you really do. It sounds like you need help. You should be talking to a psychiatrist. Why'd you come in here? The moth looks at him and says, your light was on. This is Robbie Hart and we're out of office. We'll come back for Indian summer. We'll come back for Indian summer. Okay. Uh, well, hello. Uh, this is Robbie Hart. Today's Wednesday, April 22nd, and this is Out of Office. Today, I am joined by a woman I met uh, roughly 20 years ago, and it was one of the most important moments of my career because it was the biggest. I made a career change from being an assistant professor in the poli-sci department at University of North Texas to becoming a data science marketing research type guy. And I did so by uh, contacting a recruiter at Smith Hanley who was named Janet Casper and she was colleagues with Linda Birch. And that's how I met Linda. So uh, since then, Linda has, uh, uh, she worked for Smith Hanley for some time, but then a, a little bit over 10 years ago, started her own company in Evanston named Birchworks. And what Smith Hanley and Birchworks all do is uh, recruiting and placement for uh, data science types and and the like. So welcome, Linda. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for having me. It's really quite a pleasure. What a great idea. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, hopefully it'll be interesting and fun and, and all that for, for everyone, but I, I'm certainly going to get a lot out of it no matter what. So from a very selfish perspective, I agree. This is a great idea because it's, you know, it's fascinating to talk to folks like you and see how we're all kind of coping and getting through things today. So yeah, perfect. Where are you out of office? Well, I am out of office in my um, little um, sun porch off my bed, the master bedroom at our home in Evanston. So I went from a 10 minute walking commute to um, just running up the stairs. So excellent, <laughs> excellent. It's pretty easy. It's like a nearly 100% improvement. So uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, so I mentioned kind of what you do, and certainly in my my position when I was a professor going to switch into the business world, it was a matter of, hey, you've got these statistical skills and things you can do and models you can build and you can work with data. What do I do now? Yeah, well, executive recruiting is, you know, it's matchmaking. That's really, um, in the end, what we ultimately do. Um, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, in terms of what I do on a more task basis or day-to-day -day basis um, is that I... Um, 
you know, I interview a lot of candidates. I mean, that's the main thing that I'm doing most of the day. So I'm talking to people, talking to them about uh, what's important to them. I'm getting to know them as a person, but certainly I have to get to know what their skills are and what they're good at and, um, and, and how they distinguish themselves from other people. But I think ultimately the most important thing I do is get to understand what makes them tick, what's important to them. So, um, and that's part of the, you know, I evaluate, you know, their skills, but also from a cultural fit perspective and, and a lot of other uh, different angles. Um, and that's all part of getting to know a candidate as a person. So, um, you know, we also do a lot of work with our clients. Um, many times a client will come to me and ask me for advice on how to develop a new analytics capability within their organization. I mean, everybody knows that data-driven decision-making is something that's gone on for years and years and years, but many companies are now putting that um, um, uh, that mantra at the very front of how they manage their business. Um, and that's somewhat new within many, many businesses. And so I do spend a fair amount of time working with clients and determining uh, what factors are going to be the most important, um, which, is, which is also very interesting because there's so many different applications for analytics out there kind of depending on the business. So who are, who are your clients? I've been your client before, but, but but that's just me. So I'm sure there's more than just me. Right, and we have uh, well um, dozens and dozens of different kinds of clients. We do recruit across the country, um, and many of our clients are very large, established organizations um, like Aetna um, Health, and also we're working. Uh, you know, we're working pretty actively right now with Procter and Gamble. Um, um, Companies like uh, Electronic Arts and um, BASF, the chemical organization. We're also working with T-Mobile out on the West Coast. Um, and HBO right now is continuing to hire through all of this, as you can probably Are they really? imagine. Right? Yeah. And EA, of course, you know, that we do a lot of work in. <laughs> video gaming so they're also doing um, they're they're continuing to hire through the through the crisis um, we also work with organizations that are more on the consulting side or marketing services side where they're evaluating um, uh, corporation you know they're assisting corporations and really understanding how to leverage analytics in a smarter way um, and, and then we also work with startups too, which is you know some of the most hmm. fun jobs that we work on um, are are with uh, companies that are very very young, very early stage, or sometimes they're you know two or three or four years old, um, and those organizations are are sometimes doing. Um, some really interesting, creative, um, fun things. You know, one one example of that is a is a company that we work with that understands behavioral health, and they look for indicators uh, um, in a patient uh, that might be going off, you know, a particular medication um, that that's been uh, prescribed to them, um, and intervening in cases um, if necessary. So. Um, just by looking at patterns in the data. Wow, that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. of course, it's what you know. It's kind of what I do as well, so I get it. But um, exactly. it really is interesting, right? Uh, I, I, I've seen there's so much interesting research that's happening right now around uh, COVID nineteen, um, coronavirus spreads, 
um, that it's, uh, I wish I was had my hands on a lot of that, to be yeah. honest. Um, uh, just yeah. very interesting. So you work with all kinds of companies. Uh, mm -hmm. So what do you do? What does Linda Birch, I mean, you said you matchmake, you interview and yeah. stuff, but what does matchmaking look like? I mean, what is yeah. a, what's a successful match? Uh-huh. I think, you know, it's very interesting when, when um, somebody goes in for an interview, um, they will, when they come out, we do a debrief. And I can tell from that debrief, from the excitement and tone in their voice and the feedback that they've gotten from the client during the course of an interview on whether or not that's a good match or not. And sometimes it's just... Um, and, you know, after a while, I've been doing this for over 30 years, right? A lot of it is instinct. You know, how does this, you know, what's the tone of the voice? Um, what's the, um, um, the feel of the interview? Did they click? Was it a cultural match? Um, and understanding that, you know, if you hear that passion and excitement in somebody's voice, chances are they did pretty well. But if they come out of the interview and they're like, well, I'm not sure, it kind of, I don't know. You're like going, okay, well, that's not going to work. And, and every time, you know, you're iterating, right? So you learn a little bit more about that person. And you also learn about the client too. So you iterate to the client side too, when you're trying to find a match. So um, it, it's really quite interesting. But the, you know, one of the other um fun things that I've gotten into doing in the last um, seven or eight years is um, I work on um, what we call our flash surveys. And you've probably responded to some of our flash surveys. Many. Yeah. <laughs> we have um, 70,000 contacts. What we try to do is measure um, how our, our, our contacts are feeling about a certain topic. So um, right now we're asking um, about their employment situation. Are they, um, you know, is, is the company in a steady state situation? Are they still hiring? Are they talking about layoffs or have they already laid off? Right. And we know a lot about our candidates. Uh, we know where they work, we know what level they are, we know their educational background, we know where they live, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we only have to ask one question. And so we get a great response rate from that because it's not this long questionnaire that they have to fill out and it's going to take them 10 minutes. It only, and I tell them, this will only take you three seconds to fill out and, and, and then we can slice and dice it in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, we found through our data over the last three weeks or so um, that about 35% of companies um, are status quo. They're doing fine. Um, most of those are larger organizations, but sometimes um, larger organizations are less um, nimble when it comes sure. to things like planning a, um, you know, a headcount reduction. So, <laughs> right. Luckily, it takes them longer to rally the troops to fire everyone. Um, right. Well, they, at least they got all that SBA funding, though, so... Yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, don't talk to me about the SBA. Yes. Sorry. So, Touchy right, subject right. for, for all of us small business owners. I know, I know, I know. But it, it, it worked for Harvard, but I haven't quite yeah. figured out. Um, yeah, Harvard. well, they're, you know, anyway, times are tight uh, there. But, uh, but anyway, so... 
Um, so the, the, these flash surveys really tell me what's going on out there in the analytic community. And I get such great response from that, from people, um, um, you know, when I shoot out the results. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy doing because I like to dig into the data and actually quantify what's going on out there as opposed to just sort of anecdotally telling the stories that I that I can tell. So, um, so that part's really fun. We've been doing a salary survey too um, for about eight years now. Um, and it's the only salary survey out there um, for the quantitative specialization and um, again that corporations love that too um, it's a great marketing piece for us we provide that um, oh, through our website um, for free to yeah, yeah no we love stuff. it all of us yeah. it's yeah. I mean having transparency and visibility of that stuff even having been a hiring manager for lots and lots and lots of jobs you still don't really know what's going on in a more macro sense so yeah. it's wonderful yeah, yeah I love it <laughs> it is very interesting, you know, and, and, and now, you know, there's all these laws out there um, about, you know, disclosing salary and, and all of that. And, you know, most people still are very transparent with me. They share their compensation information in, in, in great detail, um, which is really nice um, because I think most people recognize the fact that, you know, every compensation if it's kept as a secret, um, is the wrong approach. Yes. Uh, that transparency is what's going to result in fairness. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you think about, okay, so if nobody's going to say what their compensation is, who's going to get the higher salaries? The people who are the toughest negotiators. And that's not what we want to happen here. So no. that's not the objective of, of these laws. So I, I think I'm not sure what's going to end up happening, but I think that that was um, kind of the wrong approach. I can't believe that there are laws actually about that. Well, actually, I can because the way laws get made is that big corporations pile lots of money at uh, at legislators who then make laws that seriously because it really is a it's a tool of oppression in a way to uh, have that lack of transparency. That's a little harsh. I mean, I'm not. Quite, it's not entirely <laughs> oppression, but still, but 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 honestly, there's a I think there's a mindset that feels very 50s and 60s and old school and old white guys saying no, you can't tell them anything. It's like no, no, no you can. You can tell them everything, and yeah, we'll can. all be fine. That's we'll right. all be better off. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. You 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 won't overpay. You won't underpay. The market will actually work better. It's that's kind of the right. it's a fundamental principle of economics if you think about it. So yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome. I'm, I am, in, in case you can't tell, I'm in violent agreement with uh, Linda on this uh, this topic for sure. So, uh, which is one of the reasons I love the Birchwork Salary Survey. Yeah, I was on a panel with uh, a couple of young women from WeWork um, about three or four months ago, and we got into the topic of compensation. Um, and I, you know, said, "Well, you know," and that was right when the compensation laws were fairly new. Okay. Um, and I sort of spouted out, "I'm a little bit of a contrarian here. I really believe in the just the opposite, and everybody should talk." really about their compensation. It's been such a taboo subject for so long and that's where the problem comes in. And uh, these, both of these young women started chuckling and they said, well, you know, we've actually started a um, online um, group 
and everybody disclosed their compensation. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, and, and you hear you hear about that in, in um, some organizations in Silicon Valley have done that. Again, I absolutely think that that's the way to go. That's how right. people will be fairly compensated. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. So, so what got you into this line of work? That's a great question. I um, I think I got into it um, by happenstance, a little bit of luck. I was uh, my background is actually in in industrial engineering and operations research uh, from years and years ago. And be faint I, my heart. I oh I love that stuff so much, and I've never gotten to do it. But I I'm a wannabe OR guy without question. Really, I know you know. I, and I started out working in um, uh, a stamping plant for Whirlpool Corporation. So, you know, my job as an industrial engineer was, you know, I started out doing time studies and scheduling. Then I got involved in um, optimization of the workforce on, in a plastics plant, which was really fun. Um, so I was working on those kinds of projects, but then I got a call from a headhunter <laughs> who was working on a job at Pepsi on the East Coast, and I um, went out for the interview, and I thought, wow, wow, that was really exciting. It sounded so cool. I could move to New York, and so I did. Uh, I took the job and um, worked for Pepsi for about two and a half years, and I have to say that um, working at Pepsi as an organization is probably the most intense two and a half years of learning that I've ever had in my entire life. So it was a well, maybe not when I was infant or something, but right, was, seriously, <laughs> no. but it was crazy um, the learning that uh, that I could absorb in that environment. It was really fun, but you know, I I, I realized that I really didn't long term want to stay in a major corporation. I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, and I wanted to be compensated based on how. Um, how effective I was, how hard I was willing to work, the time I was willing to put in, and how successful I could, um, you know, make an outcome. So um, I was introduced to these two guys that um, Smith and Hanley, who started up um, a recruiting firm. It was only two years old at that point, and it's wow. And guess what? Operations research. So I was like, I know a little bit about that. I think I can do this. So, you know, I jumped in with both feet. And, you know, I'll tell you, from the very first day, I sat down and started getting on the phone and talking to people. I loved it. I loved it. And so I worked like a crazy person. So I would be, you know, back then, of course, you know, we were doing everything by, um, you know, I had the little pink while you were out you know, messages and stuff. And I would um, um, sort of measure my success based on going out to lunch, coming back and see how many pink slips I had waiting for me. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so it was really, I don't know. I was just, I was just kind of a little bit of a numbers nerd. So um, I just love to somehow always be measuring how, um, how I was doing. I guess right. that kind of feedback and, and in a recruiting role, you can do that. It's, it's, uh, it's sales oriented. Um, it's volume oriented. You've got to do a lot of stuff just to get a little bit of result. And you have to be okay with that. You know, you have to know that it's going to build. Um, and it's one of those jobs, it's sales jobs that are all like this. You know, the harder you work in the beginning, you lay that foundation and it gets easier and easier 
easier as the years go on. So, right, right. Yeah. As you're more and more successful and you're like, this doesn't seem fair, but you know what? That's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, <I'll take> it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. It's funny. Um, gosh, I love the idea. Uh, so my, my first kind of big move in my uh, market research career, I guess, was when I took an opportunity at Harris Interactive, uh, leaving a small research firm in Houston and joining a bigger one because, and it was a sales job. And so I had been in a research type role doing conjoint analytics stuff, you know, and this is two years out of teaching and not knowing any, what I was doing at all really, but uh, I knew the math. So that was uh, good. But then when I took the sales job, it was exactly that. It's like, I, I had the same desire. I really wanted to be able to measure myself and, and say, listen, if I'm working my tail off, you know, I want something to show for it. And I want that to be visible and transparent for everybody. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So tell us about what's going on now. I mean, what's going on with your people, your business, with yeah. you? Well, we, you know, we transitioned to work from home pretty easily. It was, um, we were pretty much already set up for that because, um, uh, you know, a couple of our folks already have been working from home. We also, you know, spend time in the evenings responding to candidates and over the weekends occasionally. Sure. Uh, And and so we were, you know, most of us were pretty much set up, although, um, you know, we got, you know, we got pretty active with Zoom and so on to, to make the, all of that work too. So um, so that was a little bit of a transition, but um, uh, but we haven't really skipped a beat when it comes to the actual nuts and bolts of the kind of work that we're doing. Um, obviously, the conversations are quite different now than they have been in, in uh, you know, just a, a few short weeks ago. Right. Um, so I spend a lot of time talking to candidates about the, the current condition of the market. I talk to them about their situations because many of them, you know, they're in, in stress. You know, in of course. Situations right now, they're under pressure. Um, or, or some of the leaders have had to let a lot of people go. And so they're introducing me to people and, and, and seeing whether or not I can connect them up. Um, with various clients. So um, it's a very different sort of conversation. Um, In some ways, um, I think they're much more personal conversations now than I've ever had. Um, You know, during good times, it's like, you know, a sort of a a quick transactional thing. Sometimes it feels like I don't like that, but it really gets to that point. But now it's really a different feel because you get to know the candidate as a person and their personal situation um, and their vulnerability. They're a little bit more vulnerable than they've been in the past. And right. um, and, and so a little more exposed, um, which for me, uh, it makes it a much, um, I guess, richer relationship. For sure. For sure. And a much more important one in a lot of ways. In some ways, it's like you're the therapist. Or yeah. you're what I'm sorry, you're one of their therapists because we all yeah. have many therapists right now, I think. Right, right. <laughs> but I, um, and, and it's, and I try to help them. You know, if there's a way, you know, idea, I was talking to a woman yesterday, really smart lady, PhD in physics, data science, um, for um, about maybe not quite 10 years, um, leading a team, um, and they're dissolving that group. So she's looking, but you know what she's really good at uh, is the communication side of things. And she wants to share um, data science methodologies 
across an organization. She wants to be that communicator, that storyteller. Um, So she really wants a unique role that's not always developed (laughs) within an organization. They don't. An organization might have somebody like that, but chances are they were somebody that's already been on the team. They're a known commodity within the organization. So, you know, I'm passing along this information to her, Um, but she was unique and very fun to talk to and, and, you know, just a great, great communicator. So I I hope she's able to find something like that. For sure. And, you know, just, uh, well, you know, I'm always available to talk to people too. Uh, certainly I, I've done a lot of crazy things in my uh, life, I feel like, and, and have made a lot of weird changes when there wasn't this going on. Uh, in some ways, this is almost a safer place to be in that vulnerable position because lots of people are going through it. It's, and it's, it's less, it feels very personal sometimes when it's just you and you're unemployed and you don't know what to do. And you also feel your, your self-esteem is a little bit lower. So hopefully now people can say, listen, it's not, you know, coronavirus right and and really take that to heart yeah yeah for sure for sure it is a very um different time and i think that people are um banding together you know everybody wants to help everybody else um and it's such a you know and and it's not that they don't you know don't really have it inside them to do that. I think they do generally, but sometimes it's hard to get to that point because you're so busy racing around. Exactly. And this whole thing has made everybody just slow down um, and, you know, be a little bit more self-reflective. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. I, I agree completely. And I think it's also, you know, just, thinking about people that are in bad, tough situations. Uh, my, my business disappeared, <laughs> basically, but that's fine. Uh, I, I'm a little safer, I think, I, I guess, I don't know. But it certainly feels like it's a great time to be thinking about, boy, what do you really want to do? Like you talk about your your physics PhD who really wants this evangelist type role in an organization. And that's people that do that are fantastic. And it's a great time to think about, okay, now how do I make that happen? And you don't have to do it tomorrow because it's not going to happen tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, people are asking me, you know, how should I use this time? Um, and and it, in, in analytics, it's really important to make sure that you continuously learn. Um, and so uh, I put together a list of resources um, that are free, um, that are online, and so easy to access that people can select from and figure out how they can continue their uh, whole learning. Because you know, lifelong learning is never going to go away, especially within an analytics kind of environment like this. I would recommend lifelong learning across the board to everybody. Yes. But I'm a yes. I'm a chronic learner, so I can't uh, I can't get out of it, and so I've got a thousand interests. But yeah. uh, I did actually see that this morning. I saw your note just a bit ago talking about that, and whether it's a uh, I was going to say Coursera as well. I think I've seen some really good courses there for things, but uh, it, it is it's a fantastic mm-hmm. time, and and I'm someone who like I I taught myself R basically with the help of a couple of close friends you know, in the fall, because I had to, and that's not the best time to do it. Now, in some ways, it's a great time to do it, because you just can't sleep until you're done. But it's, uh, it was stressful. And I probably had some fits and starts through that. uh, Whereas, yeah. So Robbie, now you have to um, move on to Python. 
Well, I actually I have a Coursera at my alma mater, Rice University, on Python that I started before I taught myself R. So Python is definitely uh, on on the on the <laughs> on the track at some point. So uh, how are your people? How is how, how big is your company? I'm sorry, how many employees do you have? So we have 16 people on the staff. So um, you know we do a lot of Zoom meetings and. Um, and, and, and so we're all, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I, I really love the Zoom thing because um, it's even, you know, it has an intimacy that I don't think you get when everybody's in a room together. I agree. It's kind of weird. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's just me or if that's really true. Um, but, you know, I really clearly miss the camaraderie of uh, being able to just turn to somebody or hear a joke or have somebody tell a story or frustrate, you know, relieve their frustration in a conversation that they have with somebody or to, you know, just to turn to somebody to get advice. I mean, that kind of collaboration is, is missing now. Now you could do it through, you know, instant messaging or whatever. Um, but it just, it's not the same. It's not as spontaneous. Um, it's not as quick. It's not as immediate. Um, and it's not as personal. So, you know, there's a lot less humor, I think, which is really unfortunate that I miss yeah. um, because believe me, I don't know why there hasn't been a sitcom developed about a recruiting firm, but there should be because there's so many stories um, that, you know, people are funny. <laughs> people are very funny. So we can work on that. So episode one which, uh, is uh, my friend, Randy Greenberg, who is an executive producer of The Meg and does actually produce TV shows and stuff. So we can, we'll have to huddle up and follow up with him afterwards and see about oh getting that God. done. Uh. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, I, you know, my people are doing okay, but I won't go beyond sure. okay. I think that, um, you know, I've got one woman, Heidi um, Kalish, who you might know, because she's been with me for I a do. long time. Definitely. She's unbelievably positive. And I just, she's got four little kids at home and she's still, you know, she's working and, you know, she's, she's in these um, Zoom meetings with us and she's got kids crawling on her and stuff. And, um, and, you know, and, and meanwhile, her bulldog is, is snoring in the background and it's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but she's absolutely wonderful, and she always chimes in with something really positive. You know, we have our work from home chat, and she's always putting up memes, and it's just great. Um, nice. But then I have some who've never gone through a recession. Now Heidi's oh. been through three recessions; she knows they end, right? So, right. Um, but my other folks, many of my other folks, have never seen anything like this. I mean, the last recession was 2008, and many of these folks are in their late 20s and early 30s. So right. they were still in college during yeah. the last recession. Um, and so when I, nothing is real. Yeah, right. And I, Except I until now. They they don't see the end, yeah. right? So they don't know that it gets better, right? Um, and that um, you know that we can bounce back from this, and this is just temporary. And you just you know do the stuff that you know, like you were saying, do all that stuff that you never have time to do when you're busy, 
right? Right. Get prepared and set up for when you are uh, going to be busy again, which will come. Absolutely. So, um, so I think that, you know, it depends on your perspective, you know, like, cause you know, my recruit, many of my recruiters are on commission. Yeah. So, you know, they feel like they're working for nothing. And, you know, we, we tell our candidates that have been laid off, you know, the only di- difference between you and I is I still have to work. That's funny. No one's getting paid, but yeah, right. you, got, you have free time. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh. Right, right. <laughs> Yes, it's certainly it's it's a wonderful time to be creative and just to learn stuff. I think learning is 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 has to be the best use of time right now. Mm -hmm. Learning and being funny and being creative and trying not to drink too much and things like that. So (laughs) exercise. It's the one thing we can do. Get out and walk. Right. Everyone. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about what I don't know, let's look forward. I think one of the things that's come up to me or popped into my head based on our conversation so far, is that there's going to be a huge opportunity for both people, individuals, organizations, companies, everyone to get coming out of this right. There was already an opportunity to get this right. And I think that die has been cast in most cases. It's still being cast in some, perhaps. But as we emerge, it's an opportunity for organizations to say, boy, I really could use an evangelist for marketing science and data science across my organization mm-hmm. you know, you know it, it's i feel like the people that take advantage of all of this time the best are really gonna really gonna shine mm-hmm. yes i would agree i would agree um i think that there are um some people who are working really hard on COVID applications too um so they're really trying to deal with uh like inventory management issues oh gosh so there's many organizations that are really head down really focused on um you know applications as a result of um, of this crisis um but on the other hand you know the people that are working in the hospitality industry or the restaurant industry um you know they've got a lot of time on their hands and some of them i think are really um spending that time wisely to think more about well, what do i want to do next and some of the senior people that i work with um it's, it's really interesting because they many of them have been in retail let's say for a long time or in hospitality for a long time and so they're really thinking about well, what do I want to do next and, and do I want to stay in the industry do I want to commit to that or should I try to make a complete change sure so yeah yeah it's good. good when I was speaking with Nelson Rodriguez the the president of the Chicago Fire he talked about the fact that they had gone through a massive strategic planning exercise and they had done all this and then they're right now at a point where everything's paused, everything's stopped. So yeah, I believe he said that they're kind of reviewing that whole thing and just making a deeper dive strategic plan out of this because it's a fantastic time for strategic planning. And you're really thinking about the future of your business, your industry, how we do everything, what's going to, you know, what things may not be the same. I have a um, couple of conversations coming up with some folks that have developed um, AI capabilities when it comes to um, talent matching. So, and that's an area that I've always thought had potential. Um, And, you know, I've 
it wasn't an area that I was going to do anything with um, because it really would mean the end of my business. But <laughs> but it just seems to me that somebody could come up with something that would make my job much more efficient. Um, and it just hasn't happened. Um, and, and they've been talking about it for years now, years. And I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I guess my one theory is there's not enough money in it to make it pay off. I don't know. I'm not sure. What about, because I feel like one of the problems, this is because this is fascinating. I, and I feel like I've probably even spent a good chunk of my time thinking about this very thing, about like segmentation and those type of approaches to you know, relationship stuff like, like match.com or, or one of those, right. Or eHarmony is the one I think that has all the psychographic stuff. Uh, and one of the things that just occurred to me, like right now thinking about this is that we know a ton about the individuals, about the candidates. I think it's hard for organizations to really describe what that fit is in a lot of cases, you know, like there's a lot of measurable things about individuals. And you may disagree with me, which is fine. But for me, it feels like organizations are a little more murkier and may even present themselves in ways that make it hard to understand who they are. Well, I, and, I, and I would agree with you because, you know, think about it with hiring managers. Um, they really don't like to hire. You know, they don't like to take the time to interview. They don't like to um, spend the time, you know, writing up a job description or figuring out what's going to be the fit or how much can they pay and then deal with human resources and, you know, on and on and on. It really takes them away from the work that they love to do. Hmm. So, um, so that's a big problem because I do think that um, whereas the candidate might sort of hone their pitch, um, the clients usually don't. Um, and they, and they tend to present badly oftentimes, which, you know, sometimes, you know, I have to sort of jump in and do some counseling about, you know, you guys got to get into sell mode here, you know, with these candidates, because many of them have lots and lots of different options. So, um, so I think that, that that's correct in that a lot of companies need, um, you know, they really need to better understand what's going to be important in evaluating the right fit for the role. Um, and, and oftentimes they don't do enough of that, which is really unfortunate. I think, I think I'm a good hiring manager. I didn't enjoy writing job descriptions because I found I find them to be actually a little limiting, but I was always ready for a phone call and an interview and I love meeting candidates actually. Oh, so, <laughs> but that's, but I, but I love that part of my job. That was actually probably the best part of my job was the people and managing people and stuff when I worked for big organizations. But the other part too, is that a hiring manager is an individual that has their own care. Like for me, I, what I'm looking for, it's actually harder for me to articulate than it is to just know. Like I've, 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 I can think of a handful of candidates, people that I've hired over the years where I knew in three minutes or less that I wanted to hire them. Like literally it was that easy. Yeah. And having seen their resume, yeah. so I knew that they had stuff they could do, right? <laughs> the skills were right. Yeah, the skills were there. Um, the skills but, were there, but then the whole package comes together. Right. See, and I think, um, you know, the problem with a lot of the um, sort of um, uh, matching systems that are out there, um, they look too hard at skills. Exactly. Number of years experience, educational background, and, um, you know, that's really not where the match is made. It's made on that cultural fit um, and, you know, whether or not you click because, you know, you're going to be spending a significant amount of time with this person. Um, so it's, it's going to be about, you know, that, that 
that person's, um, the way they think, the way they approach a problem, the way they communicate, uh, whether or not they're going to be able to build a relationship with not only you as the hiring manager, but also all the other business unit stakeholders. So are they, are they, in a, you know, can you turn them into an evangelist? You know, the list goes on and on. But those are all those soft skills that tend to be critically important in matching a candidate with a job. It's interesting. I, I, the last time I gave a talk, I think it's been a while now because I was still pretty fat, um, but uh, much better now. <laughs> Fit, not fat. Uh, I gave a talk at the ARF Young Pros event in Chicago two events ago, I think, which was like a year plus. And it's the same talk I had given in Chelsea at Google offices five years before that, and basically about just career path stuff. And basically what my conclusion this time was that soft skills are everything. I mean, I, I think of those, you know, the R programming, all those things as table stakes, like you have to be able to do those things. And, it, and those things can be hard to evaluate. That's a separate conversation, which is how do you, how do you really evaluate someone's ability to really use an R or something? Um, so, but uh, but the soft skills are everything, and they become more important when you talk about being dynamic and switching gears and being able to handle change and all that stuff. So, right, right, absolutely. So, what else? Anything else you're seeing in the market? Anything you think is going to stick around because of this? Well, you know, I think that. Um... You know, because I, I listen to all the data too, you know, all the reports every night about, you know, what's happening and what the trends are and what the, what the data is telling us. And, you know, the, it, it's interesting because it, it has um, really brought the idea of, you know, really trusting the data and following the data and that's going to guide you. And, and everybody's talking about that now. <laughs> so it's going to make my candidates and, you know, my, um, you know, my, my audience, I think even that much more important um, because now it's in everybody's everyday language. So, I mean, I, you know, I have a friend that's a doctor that I walk with in the morning. I have a friend that's an, an attorney as part of that. And, you know, they're like, now they know what I do. Right? <laughs> so I think that that's really interesting. Um, I think we've also learned that, you know, the world's a very small place um, and, and, and we need to figure that out. We need to understand how to be um, just, you know, better citizens in the world. So, That's um, a big then, conversation right there. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, what, where are we going? What's going to happen? What are we going to learn from all this? And I, I think that, you know, this builds, um, you know, I, I think it's going to build um, resilience in people. Uh, people are going to learn that, you know, this is going to end. Um, they're going to think back at how we survived through this. Um, and, you know, they'll be telling stories for generations about it. So, um, and it's going to be about, you know, building that resilience. And I don't think that that's something that we've really had to cope with in a long time. Yeah, not a lot of us, for sure. I think uh, it's also a good time for all of us to remind ourselves that there's a lot of people who are going through a much, much worse time right now than we are, um, yeah. because we're doing so from the comfort of our nice homes in yeah, the North Shore right. of Chicago, you know, uh, and some people have it, you know, very, very tough. Right, right. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. 
What else? Anything else? I think everyone's going to be comfortable with the work from home video call uh, in the corporate world, I would imagine. And, you know, think about it, um, you know, maybe, um, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, should I be okay with people working from home two days a week um, routinely? Um, and like the whole team working, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays from home or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, think of what the impact on the environment would be if everybody decided to do that. I mean, when was the last time you filled your car with gas, right? I mean, it's been a bit. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's going to be a bit. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's really a positive thing for the environment. I, I, start thinking about that. I said, you know, that might be something I could do as an individual to, you know, my little bit for uh, the environment. It's, it's amazing that it's, it's taken this, I guess, but this has let people know. I mean, if you're looking for it, you can see it doesn't take much for things to clean up and <laughs> for things to get better, you know, in some ways. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot because we're all doing it simultaneously, but if we all did it individually, you get the same effect. Yeah, right. Okay, well, listen, I think we are I think we're up on time here. So again, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you this way. Thank you so yeah. much for, for joining us. Um, maybe you could share just, again, information about uh, Birchworks and how people can get in touch with you or how they can find more information about you and your organization. Well, it's, it's birchworks.com, B-U-R-T-C-H.com, W-R-K-S.com. And uh, we're in Evanston, but it, we're easy to reach. So be sure to uh, stay in touch. And uh, any of your quantitative folks, um, be sure to uh, um, look at our, take a look at our blog and stay in touch with us that way too. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. So birchworks.com, B-U-R-T-C-H-W-O-R-K-S.com. I almost messed that up. That's a hard, that's a mouthful, Linda. And this is a guy who named his company Robert Hart Associates or my com whatever so uh late great Th thank you so much linda linda birch from birchworks and everyone uh that's it for today be well be safe stay away from each other and this is robbie hart and we are all still out of office